life goes on day by day. So many ways we have times of blessing. And then suddenly, something happens. Something bad comes upon us. And everything changes. This is what happened here in Matthew chapter 2. Joseph and Mary had enjoyed a time of great blessing. The visit of the wise men from the east. They had come. They had come worshipping. They had come with rejoicing. They had come bearing gifts. What a time that must have been. But then, Joseph, in a moment, is told by the angel of the Lord that he must arise and take the young child and his mother, verse 13, and flee into Egypt. Be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod shall seek the young child to destroy him. That must have been a great shock to Joseph to have heard that from a time of rejoicing to a terrible warning. Flee, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. We mustn't get caught up with the fact that we often hear these verses read around the Christmas season. Jesus at this time was not a newborn baby. This obviously happened after the visit to Jerusalem, recorded in Luke's Gospel. The child had been growing. We only know it must have been after that, for they went safely to Jerusalem. And before he was, as it says, Two years old. But it's likely he was a couple of months or so old, two or three months old, when these events took place. Trouble came quickly, even at a time of rejoicing. None of us know what a day will bring forth. We think at times that we have three score and ten, or four score, or in some blessed cases, somewhat more. Sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety, a hundred. But not one of us has a guarantee of what a day will bring forth. 
Every breath we have is of the Lord's mercy as he works out his purpose. As we begin to consider this passage, I want you to see that Joseph was a man of faith. Verse 14 tells us, When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. We know he was a man of faith because he not only heard, but did. He acted on what God had told him to do. He was a man of faith. He lost no time. He didn't delay. He didn't go looking for alternative advice. He didn't put it off for tomorrow. Even though I'm sure things seemed quiet when they left. No. He acted with urgency and he acted with wisdom. They left in the darkness and headed for Egypt. When you know what is right to do, when you know what God would have you do, now is the time to do it. Don't delay. We know that today is the day of salvation, for instance. But it applies to many things in life. Don't delay doing what you know to be right. They left when it wasn't entirely easy to go. It was darkness. That showed the urgency. But it also showed that they didn't wait in the hope that things would be a little easier to do it once the light had come. We know, too, that as the Lord's people, we are not always called upon to stay and suffer. Remember that the Apostle Paul, on one occasion, when he was at Damascus, faced great persecution. There was a plot to kill him. In verse 25 of chapter 9 we read, Then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. There were many, many times when the Apostle Paul was persecuted, when he suffered terribly for the faith, including the time we read of in Acts 16, when he was terribly beaten and then cast into the prison at Philippi. But on other occasions, he moved on ahead of the persecution. The vital point, the urgent point, is to respond with faith seen in obedience to what God has said. 
They were told to go to Egypt. Egypt was part of the Roman Empire, but it was outside of Herod's jurisdiction, outside of his control. And we know from secular history that there was a large Jewish community there. We know nothing about their time in Egypt except they were safe and that it was only until Herod died when Joseph received another message from the Lord. Verse 20, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for they are dead which sought the young child's life. I don't know. Life in Egypt may have been relatively comfortable and safe for them there. Certainly was safe. But when the Lord told them, go back to Israel, that's what they did. They didn't do it rashly. They did it with a degree of caution. We see in verse 21, he was in Israel. Verse 22, he had that hesitation and he was, he was right about it. Verse 22. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. He was a doer of the word. When danger came, he was not paralyzed by fear, but took heed to what the Lord had said, and he acted upon it. Joseph was a man of faith in a day of difficult things. Secondly, we see Herod's evil anger. In complete contrast to Joseph, Herod had no time at all for the God of Israel and for his word. With his lips, he had spoken of coming to worship Jesus. But all along, he only worshipped himself. He saw Jesus, even as a baby, as a dangerous rival to himself. His idea was to search out, to destroy Herod was powerful and feared. There were men who would act upon his every word. They had in the past. Bringing death and suffering to many. The actions of Herod were despicable so often. But even the refusal the failure of the wise man from the east to go along with his scheme did not deter him. 
It only filled him with greater anger. He would win. His will would be done. All the children from two years old and younger in the area of Bethlehem must die. This was probably around 10 to 20 children, given the estimated population of that area. We're not to think of hundreds or thousands of children dying. It was a terrible crime, but not of itself one of Herod's most notable crimes. He was a man who could have his own children, his own wife, executed out of a sense of jealousy. He could have the leaders of the Jewish people arrested, detained, in preparation for their death. He had no mercy. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We mustn't look at Jeremiah and think that he was uniquely evil and we could never do anything that's wrong in the sight of God. And and because we haven't been out and about killing babies, we're somehow totally different. It's not true. Matthew chapter 5 verse 21, Jesus explained, it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry, whosoever is angry with his brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. We can sin in our hearts. We can sin with our words. Remember, the Lord sees your heart. He sees every deed, every word that you do. We are all sinners before the holy God. Herod's crime seems particularly despicable. But yet, in our land today, we, who have such great civilization, such great and wonderful education, even if school sometimes seems a bit tedious and boring, it's a wonderful opportunity But yet in our society, what do we do? We train doctors and pharmacists and midwives not only to preserve life, to seek to bring health, but also to kill the baby in the womb. Last year, across the UK, one in four babies 
was killed as a result of medical intervention. And they call it health care. Our society knows a great deal of depravity. We've just civilized it and called it medicine. It's not just the UK, it's a worldwide phenomenon. It's terrible. May the Lord have mercy upon us. But there was a particular evil about Herod and his plan. For he was seeking to kill the Lord's promised Messiah, the Saviour. The one who was born king of the Jews. His target was God's promise. He did it deliberately. Remember how the leaders of the faith had taken him to the words of the prophets. He knew he was going against God's word. It was scripture that had pointed him to Bethlehem. But Herod didn't acknowledge the authority of God's word. He saw himself as autonomous. He could make his own rules. He could do anything he wanted to do if he had enough power and authority to do it. It is said that power corrupts. But we are all born with this sense of autonomy, of wanting to do our own thing. For we are all born as sinners. Rebels against the Holy God. Each one of us stands guilty before God. Herod had forgotten one thing. Herod died. Each of us has to face the fact that it is appointed unto man once to die. And then cometh the judgment. Herod was powerful. But he could not extend his own life by one minute. And you need to remember that too. It is only of the Lord's mercy that you have each breath. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the only day that you are guaranteed. This moment, life is so uncertain. We see this with this new virus that has been spreading around the world. But we've got to remember that in Britain, approximately 1,500 people die every day. We each face death every day. 
You're walking down the street. Something goes wrong with a car or a lorry. It could collide with you. There are many diseases you could catch. You could trip over and bang your head. Death faces each of us. It's very solemn. We can look at somebody like Herod and say he deserved it. But we must remember that each of us deserve it. Jesus was asked a question about some people who had been terribly murdered. And he responded by saying, Do do you think these were sinners above all men? No, I tell you of a truth, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He was talking about the fact that we must face the judgment of God. We must face the fact of eternal punishment for all who die outside of Christ. For only in Jesus is the hope. Only through his death, burial and resurrection is there forgiveness for sins. Is the new life. We need that work of the Holy Spirit, that new birth. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. As we move on, we must consider the humility of Jesus. Jesus had been born in relative poverty. The offering at the temple was made with birds because that was the offering available for the poorest of people. He was not born into a palace. Herod was in the palace. Herod was evil. But Jesus was born there in lowly Bethlehem. Jesus' birth was welcomed by shepherds. He was worshipped by strangers from far away. And now the king wanted him dead. when the wise men had departed they had to flee into Egypt they had to flee by night Jesus was indeed despised Jesus was rejected then I tell you this it's the same today Jesus is rejected. Jesus is despised. People think this message is ridiculous. But Jesus rose in triumph from the dead. The glory of his resurrection. And one day, he will sit in judgment. Think about it. 
May that thought dwell in your mind. When it does, turn your eyes to Calvary, the wonder of his sacrificial death. Turn your mind to the empty tomb, the glory of his resurrection. What hope and joy there is. All these terrible things that took place worked together as fulfillment of prophecy out of Egypt have I called my son the word Moses had brought to Pharaoh back in Exodus chapter 4 verse 22 thus saith the Lord Israel is my son even my firstborn and I say unto thee let my son go that he may serve me. Israel in his old age he had taken refuge in Egypt in the face of that terrible famine the evil actions of his sons had led to Joseph Remember, they had wanted to kill him. But he'd been sold as a slave. He'd been terribly mistreated, falsely accused, and thrown into prison. But he'd ended up as the prime minister. He'd ended up as the means of deliverance and salvation. The brothers had meant it for evil, but the Lord had used it for good. And one man and his sons, being 70 people, had in time become a great nation, a multitude. The Lord had sent that message to Pharaoh. Let my son go, that he may serve me. Israel was pictured as being one man. Hosea 11 verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him, and called my son out of Egypt. The words clearly look back to the time of Exodus. But they look forward to the fulfillment and all of all that was Israel in Christ. He was the one who kept the law perfectly. He was the one of whom that voice said from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. At every turn the nation had gone astray. The nation had had to be sent into exile. The nation had rejected the Messiah when he was born. They didn't come from Jerusalem to worship. They didn't rejoice at his birth. They cried, crucify him, crucify him. 
when he was on trial. What about you? Do you still cry, crucify him, crucify him? Do you think the Christian gospel is the worst thing that has ever been mentioned in the world? There are many academic and learned people who will tell you that today. They think the Christian gospel, the Christian good news, is like a cancer. They think themselves so clever. But... God is working out his purpose. And except they repent, they will likewise perish. What about you? Will you look to Jesus today with humble repentance and cry out for mercy? None of us knows how many more days we have. But we all know we must face the judgment of God. Don't delay. Look unto the Lord today and be saved. Know the joy of forgiveness of sins. The sweet fellowship of a personal Savior. The wondrous truth of those words, the Lord is my shepherd. He leadeth me. That with the Apostle Paul, we can say that to live is Christ, to die is gain. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen.